You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. So this episode's brought to you by our friends at Great Lakes Gear Ya. Um, you've heard us talk about them before. They're our favorite fitness companies. They ship to Canada. They ship to the U.S. If you happen to live like us um, in Waterloo Region, in just outside of Toronto, you can go pick it up and not pay any shipping. But um, these guys have kettlebells, barbells, squat racks, pull-up bars, gymnastics rings, maces, bumper plates, dumbbells. All of the stuff you need to get in fabulous shape uh, with your killer home gym. Because yes, gyms might be open again. But as you've heard us talk over and over again about different workouts, um, being able to work out on your time, uh, get in a 15-minute workout without having to leave the house, that can be life-changing. So even if you just pick yourself up a couple of kettlebells so you can do some swings and snatches and presses, some goblet squats and Turkish get-ups, all of our favorite exercises, uh, if you go to greatlikesgearia.com or us.greatlikesgearia.com if you're our American friends, um, and at checkout, you use promo code LIVEWILD, you'll save 5%. And it helps because they give us a little a little bit. You don't pay any more. In fact, you save. And it helps. So uh, head over to greatlakesgearia.com and pick up any fitness equipment you need. So welcome back to episode three in Live Wild Radio's longevity series. Uh, I was going to make a joke about it's taking so long, so you have to live long enough to hear about it all. But... Um, <laughs> So in this episode, we are going to talk about better living through chemistry. Um, that was sort of the, the fun little little tag we put on it. So before we get going, though, we're going to do a little disclaimer. We're not doctors or medical professionals. Uh, and anything we're talking about uh, is either things that have been researched, like in the scientific, scientific literature, or, uh, you know, with our own experimentation, um, as far as things that make you feel better uh, or perform better. Um, and anything that we've tried ourselves is based on um, that there was good scientific data to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, basically anything that we have to say here today, uh, talk to your doctor before, first before you do it yourself. Uh, because you never know, like especially if you're on any medications... Oh, God, yeah. How something could interact or what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so medical disclaimer out of the way. Yeah. You know, we're not doctors. We just play doctors sometimes. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was actually I'm... thinking that earlier. Not that now. Although when you think about it, I don't think we actually ever have, have we? <laughs> That's too much information. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> All right, um, let's get started. So, um, yeah, I mean, with this topic, I thought it was worthwhile just to talk a little bit about our experience with it. And um, I will say for myself, um, it's been quite limited, although there's two things that really stand out. So I grew up in a household um, in the 80s. My parents um, were pretty dependent on medications. My dad took sleeping pills. My mom, you know, at some point 
you know, took some uh, Prozac. She was prescribed for that during going through, me, you know, menstruation, you know, men, menopause, I should say. Uh, a time where I think it was a pill popping culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not that I was being a big rebel or anything, but I, I kind of adopted and went the other, I went the other way. I kind of avoided, you know, pill popping or, and I was too young to obviously anyways, I was in good health, but nevertheless, I never was with me as I grew older. I took my vaccinations. I took my COVID vaccination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just FYI. Um, but I also, um, anyways, you know, I, I did the norms, yeah. right? But that's just my background. And then it wasn't until you and I met and I had my issue with my knees that it kind of started with things as simple as omega-3s, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how much that probably in combination with water and some strength training and, you know, helped my knees. I noticed a difference. I'm like, oh, there's something here. And by that point, I was 40 years old, um, starting to feel the age, you know, of being that or the wear of your body on that at that age. Um, and then the next major key milestone would be stem cell therapy. That's something I did on my knees, you know, so that's a whole other process of taking body chemistry, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, anyways, injecting that into the areas of which need it. So that's a bit about my experience. And then I'll comment on some of these things that Winston has suggested I take, and I have noticed some significant improvements for energy, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but that's, it's, it's somewhat limited. But I will give you what I've experienced. Um, I haven't done any research on this. I always rely on Winston. <laughs> but I will say, lastly, uh, very important that you don't um, willy-nilly, um, you know, mix your medications. I have or your supplements. Basically, we're talking about the supplements. Yeah, yeah. in particular, it's a big deal. I have experienced on um, one or two occasions not the feeling too well, <laughs> like, you know, I was dying. So, you know, the sweats, nausea, all that stuff, I was mm-hmm. not doing well. Um, I think I took two doses of iron by accident. Not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other time, it was a mix of my whey protein and, and something else. It was just the con- on an empty stomach didn't go over well so yeah like anyway it, just be i think careful that when you do mix things uh just to make sure that it's okay to do that uh, overall i've i've checked with you i like the kind of things that i take in a day just to put it in perspective on this topic are you know uh half a dozen of omega-3s mm-hmm. right and they're at what milligrams well i don't know what ones you bought whatever Um, we're aiming for three grams a day three thousand milligrams a day yeah and then i take um a multi multivitamin um i take vitamin d i take about five thousand ius Mm -hmm. yep international Um, units yeah i take um what else do i take magnesium uh that's at night time yeah um if i remember and I was saying to Winston, he needs to buy me a pill box. Yeah. <laughs> so I could, cause I don't know how many times that I have so many things to take and for other purposes I won't get into, but, um, it's just hard to keep it all straight and one to take it, what goes with food. So, you know, morning mm-hmm. lunch, cause I fast in the morning and then evenings. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a range. So Winston, what's your connection or relationship with, uh, chemistry? Well, so for me, the interest in 
whether it's supplementation, um, all of this kind of stuff. We're talking about it in relation to longevity right now. But for me, it started with athletic performance as a teenager. Um, so it was one of these things where when I was uh, still in high school, I ran my own supplement company because somebody was stupid enough, like a distributor was stupid enough to sell me shit. Um, so I would sell like bodybuilding and fitness supplements <laughs> to to other high school kids. Um, and so that was one of my, my sort of first entrepreneurial things. And what was really kind of cool with it is uh, I was a nerd about, I didn't want to just sell stuff, right? I wanted to sell stuff that actually worked, right? And and so much of the, the supplement industry is snake oil. Mm. Um, I always joke that if you opened up a health food store that only sold things that had um, like scientific uh, validity, like, you know, solid research behind it, um, and and that the in that research the the effect of the product was um, statistically significant enough to make it worthwhile taking, that supplement store would fit in a phone booth, right? There, there's a ton of like you go to any supplement store, shelves and shelves and shelves. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that for a second because is it just in Canada or the U.S. as well that it's not regulated? It's the fucking wild west. Versus medications, yeah, right. Like cough syrup would be different because there was that was in the news recently that some parents had um, not the re- I'm not sure if it was adverse reaction with their child, but or it must have been adverse reaction. Yeah. And they found that in the pharmacy um, they had they were using some uh, homeopathic, um, you know, brew, yeah, for their child, and it didn't go over well, and. They're seeing that pharmacists don't even let people know that these aren't even medically, you know, or uh, approved by our by Health Canada or the FDA or is it the FDA as well that it's the same situation that they're not regulated? Yeah, in the okay. U.S. Yeah, yeah. And is that worldwide or is that? No, like it varies country to country. Like we run into the thing, and this is a little tangent, but like the supplement rules are strange, mm. right? So in the U.S. Um, the hormone DHEA, uh, which is basically a precursor to testosterone and estrogen and blah, 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 you can just buy over the counter at a health food store. In Canada, you can't. Um, but in the U.S., you can't buy ephedrine, which is a bronchodilator, mm-hmm. but also is combined with caffeine, um, a uh, clinically scientifically tested um, fat burner, like that combination, um, suppresses your appetite, burns more fat. uh, And, you know, there's good research behind it. Um, So in Canada, we can buy that and Mm -hmm. use it. In the U.S., they can't, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not even like we have kind of like they're talking on either side, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, About what things we're going to... Uh, ban and which ones were not um you know like if you think back to the 90s it was the fucking wild west as far as supplements go before they cracked down on anything because you'd have things like agent orange um which was this energy 
kind of like precursor to the modern uh, pre-workout. Mm-hmm. But it was jam-packed with like caffeine and ephedrine and like it was the kind of thing. Like it was speed. Yeah, I was going to say things that can even make you sick, right? Oh, yeah. Like if you took too much. Yeah. Right? Or like in the in the States, the reason why they banned ephedrine is that it, you'd have football players um, trying to get in shape. And because it makes you be able to have more energy and go harder, mm. um, like it's banned for international competition. Like it'll improve your endurance performance, but because it ramps up your metabolism, it raises your body temperature. Mm. Um, if you're out in the heat, people are dropping dead of heat stroke because you're already in an environment that that's a risk if you're exercising hard. Mm-hmm. And then you exercise even harder, hmm. right? You know, you're you're getting your core temperature even that. higher. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if somebody sticks to the prescribed, you know, or the, the um, studied dosage, which is 200 milligrams of caffeine and 25 milligrams of ephedrine, um, and people don't have a pre-existing cardiac... How much is in a coffee, by the way, would you say? Uh, depends, you know, like a, an extra large coffee has got about 150 Oh, so even my coffee's not enough because I have this, yeah. by the way. Um, I usually just take coffee. I don't even take the caffeine tablets because I figure if I have the coffee, I'm good. Well, you're pretty close, you know. Like uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the caffeine with a coffee. Right, right. Because that is, you know, now you're talking almost double. Exactly. You know, so it's it's one of those things where. Uh, I haven't noticed a big appetite suppressant. When, well, maybe I'm not doing it 100 percent. Because how long does it take? to do that to feel the effect um like 20 minutes so it's instant yeah like it's like, a it's a central nervous in terms system of stimulant. uh not feeling um hungry yeah because you know and, and it's one of those things too mm. it's like um like any stimulants your body adapts to them yeah right so depending on how long you used it for uh, that's why with things like that, you really want to cycle them rather than oh okay um, just do it all the time. Yeah, because your body just doesn't do anything. It does it adapts right? You, right, it, that's true. But then you're off caffeine for a while. Yeah, and then when you get on like the smallest you know cup of coffee, and you're like, you know, yeah. you're shaking. Okay, right. Um, it's just all the receptors have downregulated. Um, you know, but uh, yeah. So so for me. This is sort of a, a long-winded way, which is sort of my I way. actually enjoyed it this time. Go on. Okay. <laughs> my long-winded <laughs> diatribes. Um, but it's, it's the, the coming back to, you know, looking for things you can use that will improve health, performance, um, uh, you know, and for me it was athletic performance, how to build muscle. And, you know, one of the things I discovered about the muscle thing was... Uh, if you really want to get big, because I got a membership at like World's Gym in Brampton when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. um, and then I realized, oh, everybody's on like everybody who like looks like a superhero is on steroids. Mm. You know, there's there's gonna be a few outliers, like you know, everything in life is a bell curve. There's gonna be a few people uh, who, even if they took steroids, are gonna look like stick figures. Um, and then there's a few people that look like they take steroids, even if they don't, like on the, <laughs> on the far end, right? Yeah. But most people, if you want to look like that person, right, you have to take steroids, mm-hmm. right? It's just, you know, the human body 
because of its evolution about survival, you know, you can add some muscle and you can look pretty good with your shirt off. Um, but to get those, like, you know, uh, to look jacked, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, without, uh, you know, especially be super lean because mm-hmm. when you're in a caloric deficit, mm-hmm. your body reduces its production of testosterone. So, mm. because it's trying to protect itself, yeah, right? Um, you know, because it's going, hey, wait, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. You know, so it always comes into one of these things. Like if you want to have big muscles and low body fat, that is not a normal human condition. <laughs> Okay. Right. So that's why, you know, it was one of those things I learned very early on. Same thing with women. Will that affect their hormonal? What? Um, big muscles, lean, lean muscle. Well, lean if a woman fat. gets too lean, her period stops. Mm. Like her whole system's fucked because it's. And then that'll fuck, fuck up with her hormones. And... Yeah. Yeah. Like her period stops because her hormones are fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's one of those things where there's sort of like. Um, a sweet spot for health mm. and looking pretty good, you know, because that's such a relative thing, right? Like looking good. Yeah. Um, but if you're ripped and that's just not your natural state of being, because I've worked with athletes who, you know, like they don't try. Like they're not, there's not like a cosmetic thing of like, I just want to have yeah. like a totally ripped eight pack with veins in my abs mm-hmm. <laughs> um but they just look that way naturally mm-hmm. right that's a different thing yeah yeah you know so that's just where their body's body fat set point is just naturally so low mm. um but it's again the bell curve <laughs> not very it, if you have that potential you already know it right right um, it's not like you're some secret freak and you just, ah, I just didn't unlock the key. It's like, no, no, you were a super athlete your whole life. Right. Um, but, uh, you run into the thing where that sort of started, you know, the, the working with supplements and things like that and, and wanting to optimize my performance, um, started sort of a lifelong thing with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even down to things like when it, when it came to bike racing, um, feeding strategies that would keep more energy going in, right? Like training your body to absorb more calories per hour. You know, nothing to do with longevity, but just optimizing performance. Um, you know, and now I'm sort of at a point in my life where I want to perform well, mm-hmm. but I want to be healthy. Um, yeah, and, 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 I, and I think a lot of people, often their number one complaint is I've, energy. I think that's something that a lot of people will be one of the first things they mm. talk about is just, I'm so tired all the time. Yeah, which is going to be covered in our next episode. <laughs> because 90% of people tired all the time. Is sleep. And a little bit it will cover in the chemistry. It's right? quality because, sleep. Yeah. It's and like, quantity. Yeah. Like if you don't get enough, uh, and this is just a preview, because um, stress and sleep stress management and sleep is the next episode so everything in this all is all interconnected yeah right so sometimes low energy um could be from nutrient deficiencies Mm -hmm. right um Mm -hmm. so uh 
you know, it's kind of a, a low hanging fruit in a sense. Like, uh, you know, if you make sure that you're not deficient in anything, um, or if you are, you bring those levels up. Right. And ta-da, all of a sudden, you know, at least that part is optimized. Right. You know, and the, uh, you've really sort of set us up for a perfect segue. I know I was going, and I was going to be kind and not interrupt you because I interrupt you all the time. Yeah. And I was going to say, and that's a perfect segue to go into um, blood panels. Yeah. Um, how do you measure benchmark? Like, where do you even start? And so well, what we suggest is that you do speak to your doctor or you go through somebody else, like a, like a natural path. And you get a requisition for blood panels. Yep. And so what I've been doing the past couple of years, just to benchmark how I'm doing, especially with being on the keto diet, I think that's what really um, prompted me to do it, was to make sure all my vitamins um, and nutrients uh, were in check, was to do that. Um, it cost me $550 Canadian for, and I don't know if this is like standard terminology, but I had the... Uh, I don't know, the expanded version. Well, because yours was a full no, 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 nutrient workup in addition to a blood panel, right? Okay. So there's basically, in layman's terms, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have your uh, like blood information, like your red blood cell count, your hematocrit level, um, things like hemoglobin. Um, so all the things to do with your blood. Mm-hmm. Then, um, and that's one of the ones I'm surprised with yours. They didn't do anything with hormones, mm-hmm. right? They didn't look at your estrogen, your testosterone, your progesterone. I can still do that, actually. Yeah, but like the that one, and and this is the thing too. When when Catherine sort of said the price, um, one of the things you can do is uh, if you happen to have benefits at work, right? Um, if it's through a naturopathic doctor and you have benefits from that. Mm-hmm then your insurance will probably cover a good chunk of it. They paid for everything. Yeah. So. um, Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, really enlightening to tell you and make you aware of where you're at. Yeah. And in my case, it was initially about inflammation. We were trying to check that Mm -hmm. um, a couple years ago. And then because I was on keto diet, everybody wanted to make sure, you know, everything else was in check. And I think I needed the time B12 to help me. Which that was one that really I noticed um, a big improvement uh, in my energy levels because with keto diet you tend to have brain fog and I mean if you and, and this is kind of neat too if you just stick with the um, the electrolytes like if you just do as they prescribe right mm-hmm. sea salt and uh, lemon juice and mint I think it was or I can't remember or sometimes bone broth mm-hmm. those have the electrolytes that you need and if you do, but if you put a pinch of sea salt in everything like that usually really helps you helped me but um, and then more recently it was just uh, again my doctor was really concerned about you know do I have too much um, that is it too hard on my liver right no it was your kidneys my kidneys yes because so and this is one of those things where Ah, this is interesting, the ranges yes. and how you look at everything. Yeah. So so there's a couple of things. Number one, um, they look at your creatinine levels um, when they're sort of judging kidneys. Now, one of the problems you run into with that is if you worked out the day before, like strength training. <laughs> like I did for each of those tests, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to look like you have kidney disease. Yeah. Because you break down muscle, your body has to clear out the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. but you know, it's one of these things where, where your doctor just looks at the number 
and then you know if they're if they're responsible, they will either ask you a bunch of questions um, or you know order some follow up tests. Yeah. Um, you which, know, be, which we did. Yeah, and you're perfectly fine. And I was fine, and I had forgotten that I had intensely worked out on both of these tests and they're so expensive and it's like why did i do that you know because realistically if you want it to be as accurate as possible you want to be fasted first thing in the morning um and you don't want to work out for two days beforehand mm-hmm. um, because the fact is it's like when you work out you break stuff down your yeah. kel- kidneys do their job and filter out the stuff yeah yeah. But I think what was also interesting from that experience was how varied the range for kidney disease was in Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Remember, my numbers were, um, I think, close to, I can't it was top or low end, right? I think it was the high end or yeah. something like that. And so she initially was concerned. And then when we actually looked it up in the U.S., I was completely well within the range, which yeah. was, you know... Well, and th- this is to give you an idea, like take uh, something like, you know, from a guy standpoint, like your testosterone level, the range, mm. the normal range, and this is one of those things, and I'm doing air quotes, you you know, we need to do this as like a YouTube video as well, but I'm doing air quotes. The normal range um, is 240 to like 910, um, and that's uh, nanograms per deciliter. Right, but that's a huge fucking range. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be like two sixty, and your doctor goes, "You're fine. You're in the range." Meanwhile, you, you know, could have all of the like symptoms of like low T, low testosterone. Um, you're moody. Your brain doesn't work. Your your libido's shot. Your joints ache. Like there can be all these different things. But because you're in the range, you're good, right? Or the same thing, your iron. Like it was one point over the low end. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you're fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we, we, we just made sure. Because it's not flagged, you know, yeah. because the lab flags where there's an issue. Yeah. So if it's not flagged, you know, then... The doctors are busy. They they can skip, they might miss it. Yeah. Right. And it's important to look at things like in in um, concert with others. Yeah. Like if one thing is looking to be a problem, so you can't automatically assume that there's an issue with your kidney or whatever. You mm-hmm. have to look at something else as well. Yeah. Right. And your activity and your lifestyle. What are you doing? So as you were saying, ask a bunch of que- you have your doctor ask a bunch of questions. So um, definitely worthwhile doing especially as you're you know improving your lifestyle and your fitness and well-being over years to benchmark how you've progressed yes like because obviously like how you look and the size of your pants and all that stuff um are kind of benchmarks for the outside but your blood is the benchmarks for the inside it's just being proactive yeah um and and but it's a thing where you need to educate yourself about it because you know like i said you'll run into doctors who will look at different things and literally if you're in the range you're good so what are some good sources to do that winston um where would you start if you want to educate yourself do you literally just look everything up and go what does this mean and yeah that's sort of what i would but that i I realize for a lot of people like um 
it's over their head. But I guess I just run into the thing. It's like um, nobody gives a shit about your health more than you do. Mm-hmm. So you should be the expert on you. Yeah, I actually have a medical journal that I keep on myself now. Yeah, like a whole I've, file folder. and It's not even a folder, it's a journal. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, I forget. Yeah. <laughs> so now I think I started it because I just forget. And I do. And so it's only for issues, anything to do, or health concerns mm-hmm. or things like that. Maybe I should put more details, like, you know, if I start a certain, you know, like my training regimen and, you know, what am I doing? Because sometimes you can link injuries to what you've just done, right? Yeah, for example. Or, or, or like... It, yeah, like a, log, it, like a log, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like tracking what you're doing, what the result is. Um, like you are, are a science experiment where the study group is N equals one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't keep any data, <laughs> you know, like you don't yeah. log anything. Sometimes correlating what does what is difficult mm-hmm. um, looking back. It is, especially, you know, when you mix a bunch of things. And, and, you know, speaking through experience, my mom was um, a few years ago, a few years ago was in ICU because she had a really bad adverse reaction to chemotherapy for for, uh, breast cancer. She had a congestive heart failure and it was just, yeah. Um, And it was shocking uh, how uh, unorganized our healthcare system is in Canada well, in Ontario. Uh, I'll speak to that where we, they had to make some pretty fast and critical decisions. And had we not told them that we knew that she had, or there was some discussion around her having um, rheumatoid arthritis, she would have been in trouble. They would have given her a certain procedure or medication that would have conflicted with that. Mm-hmm. So Really important to be on top of your health, be proactive, keep and your medical records. Um, just being on top of that because as you were saying, you're you are your best advisor. And um just going one step further, there are times that, you know, I didn't understand everything and you won't always, especially if it's a serious thing that your doctor's talking to you about, you mm-hmm. will be in shock. Um and if you know you're going for follow-up appointments, always take a recorder, ask if you can record, just so that you can process this again after, take notes, or have somebody else there. Yeah. But I actually would recommend, if it's a serious condition, I know we're not talking about serious conditions today, mm-hmm. but to do all three. Because when you're in those circumstances, and I've been in them twice, you're not thinking straight. And so... Um, so record- and in episode five, we're going to teach you how to think, think straight, straight under stress. <laughs> um, so take records. Yeah. Um, so so the thing we run into is uh, it's hard to get somewhere if you don't even know where you are, right? So think about like your first full blood workup um, as your starting point. Um, let's say you're 40, right? You go in and maybe, and these are fairly common ones, right? Uh, maybe your overall cholesterol is a little high. Um, your HDL, the high density, uh, lipids is a little low. Your LDL is a little high, right? So the, the good is down a little bit below where it should be. And the, and the bad cholesterol, I don't want to call it bad cholesterol, but you know, the, the less, the one that we want lower is a little higher, you know, maybe you're deficient in a couple of vitamins. Maybe you're low in vitamin D. 
now now you know where you're starting mm-hmm. right and now it's one of those things it's like you can do some stuff both lifestyle mm-hmm. nutrition supplementation you start making some changes right and then in six months you get checked again mm-hmm. and then look at that you know and did you make some progress right yeah. like are you going in the right direction um what age would you recommend people start doing blood work? 20. Yeah. Well. So you know what was normal then? Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those things like oh, whenever. Like, mm-hmm. basically, it's sort of like exercise. If you're not doing it, the best time to start doing it is now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's much easier to um, reverse the beginning of a problem yeah. then get a stent put so, in your heart because you have clogged arteries. Here's a very real example of what's going on today with vaccinations and the, um, the you know, the instance in which, and I don't, I'm not concerned about this, but it, it happens. The enlargement of the heart. What is that? Mitochondria? Is that what, no. No. Mitochondria. That's the little power plant within the cells that converts, you know, yeah, okay. energy. So uh, what am I talking about when your heart enlarges? Um, heart enlargement. Why complicate it? There's a name for it. I know. There's anyway. a name for everything. Okay. So anyways, there's that. But is that you were saying that um, that's a, that's because of a pre-existing condition and had people and, and the way to, to actually resolve that, if you, you know, if I'm correct and I heard you under, mm-hmm. understood you correctly, was to take baby aspirin or blood thinner. Is that well, correct? Well, no, that, that was for blood clots. Sorry. Okay. So is any of that, those two issues, heart enlargement, you being susceptible to heart enlargement yeah. or blood clots, could that be detected through this blood work? Um, is that a great example that if you knew so that So clotting, this, yes. Okay. Um, because again, it's your blood. Right. Um, uh, much easier to see risk of clotting in your blood markers. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, is far as like heart enlargement and see this is the tough thing is that um a lot of times when they say heart enlargement they're almost talking out their ass because they didn't have um either like an mri or an electrocardiogram of the person's heart before they got vaccinated got it right so so it's kind of like attributing um uh you know a result without having the the proof beforehand yeah the the before picture yeah you know what i mean so either way it's ridiculously rare right you know right no i was just curious if the blood work would be um great tools you know that when in this example yeah people are concerned about something then then you're now aware yeah because like sort of the the thing Catherine was talking about with the baby aspirin our first vaccine was astrazeneca and astrazeneca had a very low risk you know but still a risk of blood clots amongst men or men and women Uh, anybody okay um uh well how come you didn't tell me to take aspirin well because i've seen your blood already oh okay you're fine um so you knowingly go on so then I just basically for two weeks before I went and got my vaccine, because I knew what I was getting, I just took baby aspirin. You know, if you take a baby aspirin each day, it acts like a blood thinner. 
Um, so I got my blood work before I did the vaccine. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, and and you don't have particularly thick blood to begin with. Um, it's never been alerted to you. Did you? Pardon? Did you? Not. Uh, no, but it's one of those things where uh, I'm a little bit older than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, heart disease runs in my family, mm. but they're also um, like overweight. So, <laughs> yeah. When you was know. your last blood blood work? Uh, last year. Mm. You take it yearly, eh? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because you just get it done okay, when you get you're your clear. Phys- yeah, you just get it done when you get your physical. <laughs> no, I meant you're clear from, you did check me properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just thought about you. You know. <laughs> I was doing, the, could you tell I was doing the time check? I'm like, did I take my blood work before <laughs> the vaccine? Or are you just pulling that out of your ass? No, but, but the thing is, I'm the one who's- <laughs> Did you inter- really care about me? <laughs> I'm the one interpreting your blood work regularly, right? I know, I'm just- You think, go, I'm what just, does this I'm mean? Just, I'm just reconciling. Yeah. So- <laughs> So yeah, like get your blood work done. Know where your different levels are because you can be preventative about things. You can catch problems before they become problems. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, because certain things it'll show um, your like blood sugar levels, your fasting glucose. Um, uh, you know, there's a number of things sort of showing your metabolic health as it pertains to like insulin Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, uh, you know, sort of the health of your blood itself. What's your red blood cell count, your platelets, your, uh, you know, and that speaks to your, your immune system. Um, well, the white blood cell count will like there's, um, you know, will you have a clotting problem either for like too much or too little, um, like hemophiliacs, they'll bleed out. They won't clot properly. Um, you know, and then they tend to bruise very easily because, you know, the blood doesn't work right. Mm. Um, you know, so knowing these things, like a lot of people don't want to get it done because they're afraid what they're going to see. Oh. Right. But if you get it done. Look under the hood. But then you can do something about it. That's it. And it doesn't take much to clean it up. No. You know, like, like for instance, somebody with maybe their blood sugar levels, you know, like the resting glucose levels are a little bit too high. Mm-hmm. Um, something like berberine, right? It's basically a, a an extract from a shrub. Um, it's an alkaloid. Uh, and what you run into with it is tons of studies behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 milligrams a day spread out through the day because it's got a short half-life and that just means it clears your system quickly. Um uh, so you dose multiple times a day, uh, two to three times. And in the studies, it's almost um, as effective as the type 2 diabetes drug metformin um, at lowering blood sugar levels. And it raises the good cholesterol, like good, you know, HDL, and lowers the LDL, Um it basically, for a relatively inexpensive um, supplement with good um, safety parameters behind it, mm-hmm. right? It's not toxic, you know, um, doesn't appear to be liver toxic. Like, you know, when you look at like all of the, the data behind it, 
it's kind of low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. right? You know, for somebody who might be metabolically challenged a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you look at your blood test, um, then, uh, you know, a couple of very common ones um, is vitamin D and magnesium, right? Um, most people in North America are deficient in vitamin D, right? We're indoor cats. Vitamin right. D comes from food, but it's also made when we're exposed to the sun. But then what happens if we're exposed to the sun too much? We get skin cancer, right? Right, um, Because we're living way longer than we were meant to, right? Mm-hmm. Vitamin D from the sun is not a big deal when we all die at 50, you know, at the latest. Yeah. Right, you know. Uh, most of us get eaten by tigers back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, basically taking vitamin D, getting those levels up. Like if we look, like look at the studies um, correlating low vitamin D levels and really negative outcomes if you get COVID. Yeah. Right? There's like correlation there. You know, um, vitamin D, one of the great things with it is it's cheap and... Um, it has kind of the same effect as our workouts do in a weird way. Because you know how our workouts, um, they're not the best at anything, right? But they build a bit of muscle. They, they improve your conditioning. They make you stronger. They're, there's good mobility component. Da, 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 da. Like when you do circuits, mm-hmm. right? It's improving a whole bunch of things at once. It's not the best at any one of those things. Mm-hmm. But you see a bunch of things improve. So it, it right. seems like it's got a bigger result than the time spent doing it. Okay. Well, vitamin D is involved in over 200 chemical processes in the body. Hmm. So if you're deficient in it. Where the fuck do you remember all this shit from? Um, I'm sure our listeners are wondering too. <laughs> I, 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 like, I have a large head. Like 200 chemical processes? Like, come on. Surprised you didn't say 198. Well, it's actually, I believe technically, I think it's 206. I was trying to be, you know. Rounding. Uh, yeah. Um, but magnesium, you know, we'll get to in a second. Is over 300. Um, so so the thing you run into is, uh, like, if you are a fan of Joe Rogan, you've probably seen Dr. Rhonda Patrick on. Um, she's like a crazy nerd research lady, um, you know. Yeah. But she's just really... Nerdy. Yeah, like, it just right into the science of it, yeah. right? Because that's what her job is. She's a researcher. Um, but uh, pretty much universal... Everybody do 4,000, 5,000 IUs a day. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> like, it's really hard, unless you go crazy with the numbers. Yeah. It's hard to be toxic on the, with the stuff. Yeah. And is it the kind of thing that you need it to be in your system um, for some time for it to take effect? Yeah. Because yeah. it's got to build up. It's got to build up. You know. Um, and then once you have it in your system, even when you get off of it, it takes time for, it, for you to wean off of it. For well, it to deplete from your system a little bit yeah like yeah. It, it's got a little bit longer yeah um but it's one of those ones it's so cheap everybody should take it all the time yeah right um and you know what you'll run into like if you look at vitamin adequate vitamin d levels uh equate with better hormone outcomes like more optimal you know testosterone and estrogen and which can affect mood and libido and energy and muscles and mm-hmm. bones and cardiac health mm-hmm. and, you know, and, 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 yeah. you know, um, so, so 
kind of a low-hanging fruit. Magnesium, uh, again, involved in hundreds of chemical processes in the body. Inadequate levels mean your um, quality of sleep will be negatively affected. Hmm. Um, it's involved in making the DNA repair enzymes. When we're talking about longevity, um, your body uh, needs to replicate DNA. And because it's a shitty photocopier, um, sometimes when it replicates DNA, it's not exact, mm-hmm. right? And so the DNA repair enzyme kind of works to fix um, so that you get better. But if you don't have enough magnesium, you're not fixing the DNA properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of people take magnesium. Well, that's the, that is correct because 58% of North American um, uh, people are deficient. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they are not. So, best source is magnesium glycinate, or if you can get some mixed sources where. Um, is that the carrier? Glycinate? Um, it, it's the form that the magnesium is bonded to, right? Because mm-hmm. you can get magnesium oxide, it's the cheapest, mm-hmm. but it's the least bioavailable. Okay. Right? So, magnesium glycinate, magnesium citrate. They're a little bit more expensive, not crazy expensive, but a little bit more expensive. The kind of the science kind of leans towards, and it'll vary, you know, based on the person, but, um, you know, about 500 milligrams a day um, as far as supplementation goes. Um, It's involved in bones. It's involved in, you know, all of these different processes. Why you didn't become a pharmacist or a doctor? I don't know. Um, like you just start citing off milligrams and dosages and it's like, yeah, but I've been doing this stuff for like 30 years, you know, um, you know, so, so that's sort of one of the things in, I don't like, um, mismatch my supplements when I take them so that I feel, well, that's why I asked for a pill box (laughs) (laughs) Um, for my supplements. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but, but it's one of those things like everybody, if you're young, you're middle-aged, you're old, those two are just such low-hanging fruit. Magnesium and vitamin D. Yeah. Everybody talks about vitamin C. Like that's, if, if I was to remember a vitamin or a supplement when I was growing up, it was vitamin C because everybody talks about it. So yeah. what's your take on vitamin C? Um, you need it, but mm-hmm. most people aren't deficient in it. Mm. Right? Like, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where uh, if people were deficient in it, we would be seeing scurvy all over the place. People's teeth falling out. And um, so... Uh, if you want to take some extra vitamin C, because it works with your immune system and a bunch of things, um, it's not going to hurt you mm-hmm. because it's a water-soluble vitamin. Um, so whatever you don't use, you'll just piss out. Mm. Right? So, um, it, but just the reality comes in is that the research on like megadosing um, vitamin C isn't, uh, it just doesn't seem to be like a ton of uh, efficacy or you know benefit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there can definitely be some negatives, like um, gastrointestinal upset competes with other nutrients for absorption. Like um, a little bit of vitamin C, like taking you know like five hundred milligrams when you take your iron will improve the absorption of the iron. Mm. Um, but this is the thing we run into is a lot of nutrients compete with other nutrients for absorption. 
Okay. Right? Like, you know, so if you take X with Y, they absorb better. But if you take, you know, P with Q. That's confusing. There should be an app for this. Oh, maybe. <laughs> That'd be, maybe maybe I, we need to get the rights yeah. before this comes out. Um, but yeah, like, but that's that's sort of one of the things. Now, one of the easy ways around it is if you eat a, a diet that's full of lots of fruit and vegetables. I mean, that's always the best source of right. your nutrients and vitamins. Yeah. It's just those few Natural. things that are more likely to be deficient. Right. That we sort of focus on. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you're running into because of... And I'm not like at this point not going to like be lambasting you know modern agriculture. Um, but one of the effects mm. is the fact that the soil tends to have less nutrients in it. So some of the trace minerals, like zinc or selenium, you may see less quantity in vegetables. Um, than you did thirty or forty years ago, mm-hmm. right? Just because. You know, with modern fertilizers, they can uh, deplete the soil. Well, they can they can make that soil work, but it may not have some of the nutrients as high as it used to, right? And what about the fact that our body chemistry has changed over the years, right? With um, GMOs, right? Well, what's changed? Um, with hormones and well, that's not really from GMOs. Okay, that that's a lot of that's from plastics. Um, so so here's one of the interesting things, and this is uh, there's some research on it, um, then a bit of educated guessing on my part, but there's a lot of environmental estrogens out there. Um, you know, and it's funny that the fact that uh with um you know basically various types of pollution because before like bpa plastics came along mm-hmm. um or bpa free um mm-hmm. you were getting plastics that had like bottles and all that kind of thing that would give off um estrogens right and so if we take sort of a step back um just so people sort of understand, estrogen is thought of as like the female hormone Mm -hmm. and testosterone is thought of as the male hormone. Um, And while that is generally correct, women to function properly need testosterone and men to function properly need estrogen, right? The difference between men and women is the ratios. Mm -hmm. Guys, uh, let's say, you know, if a guy's got... Uh, you know, a testosterone, like a total testosterone, because some of this shit gets a little confusing for people, but total testosterone of 800 might have, you know, if everything's in balance, might have an estrogen of 30, mm-hmm. right? Whereas a woman's testosterone level will be, you know, if a guy's got an 800, she might have a 30 to 80, mm-hmm. like one-tenth, mm-hmm. right? And a higher amount of estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes into a thing where because of those differences in ratios is why women tend to 
be a little bit smaller and softer, like tend to have a little more body fat because estrogen, higher estrogen levels will retain more body fat, Mm -hmm. um, but don't have beards and deep voices. (laughs) Um, And that's why, you know, because testosterone is both anabolic in the sense of building the guns Mm -hmm. uh, and androgenic as in masculinizing, right? And so uh, if a guy has too much um, testosterone, uh, well, not too much, but just a a part of the testosterone, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, Guys, estrogen, right, which we need because there's neuroprotective elements to it. It's heart protective. Like if if a guy doesn't have enough estrogen, he'll have brittle bones, Hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you don't have enough estrogen, you'll have no libido and won't be able to get it up, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about balance, okay? right? So um, one of the interesting things, though, that we run into is the way that the feedback circuit in the brain works is your brain, or hypothalamus, actually, um, <laughs> uh, goes, how are we for estrogen, if your estrogen is low, um, because the only uh, uh, source for estrogen in the male body should be converted testosterone. Mm. So if estrogen is low, it'll mean testosterone's low. If estrogen's high, it means testosterone's high. Um, you know, as far as the feedback loop goes. So if it, your hypothalamus does the little poll, you know, Hey, how are we doing, estrogen? And uh, estrogen yells back, oh, we don't have enough. Okay, no worries. Sends a signal to the pituitary, which then signals, like sends luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone to your nuts. Hey, testes, make some testosterone. And the testes make the testosterone, right? And it's this feedback loop. Well, with a lot of... Uh, estrogen-like chemicals in the environment, um, in plastics and, and fertilizers and different things like that, uh, we're running into the thing where over the last 30 years, um, or 40 years, when I was talking about in the blood tests, you know, the testosterone mm-hmm. range, mm-hmm. um, because it, that number is based on just an average of various, like, you know, the population being tested. Right. They've moved it down over the last 30 years. Because mm-hmm. so the normal range today is different. Is lower, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's not that it should be lower. It's just because it is lower, they lower what they say is normal. Yeah. Right? Um, and this is sort of where my pulling a wild gas out of my ass is the fact that because the way that feedback loop is, we have more estrogens in the environment. So our brain hypothalamus, you know, but we'll all just use brain as the stand in for it is going, Oh, you got lots of estrogen. So you're good on testosterone. Mm. Right. Got it. It's and, messed it up. Yeah. Um, mm. Because why else, you know, and uh, when I say that, I'm already thinking of other ideas, you know, people are lazier, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, more people, like men, did physical shit for jobs and things. Right. You know? Well, when you lift heavy things and you swing sledgehammers and you do, you know, 
more physical work. You build resilience. But you also, um, we know hard work stimulates, like, go do squats and your testosterone will go up. Right. But I also think that there's um, a shift in uh, almost like personality. personality a little bit but but that's if you got lower testosterone you're gonna have a shift in personality that's what i'm saying because and and where we had this conversation was with alex in one of other episodes who transitioned from female to male and then taking hormones talked about i used to cry a lot now i don't my bucket's just bigger yeah (laughs) you know and um just the mass of changes emotionally speaking yeah so we were just so now if the body has more estrogen and lower testosterone, you're seeing a shift in more less- sen- more sensitive fellas. <laughs> yeah, but we're not the kind of fellas you want around if the wolves come knocking. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, and that that's sort of one of those things I always joke. It's like young men um, almost need like because in, in cultures around the world, like that transition from like boyhood to manhood. There's like like an like some sort of uh, trial that they have to go through mm-hmm. to prove themselves. I think what that is also is just learning how to manage like that structured that way. We don't have that anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think part of what that is 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 set up um, unconsciously maybe to make them have a way to learn to manage having so much testosterone because you go from being a little kid. You hit puberty, and all of a sudden, you're on roids, mm-hmm. right? And then it takes a while to learn how to manage just being there, <laughs> right? You're yeah. out of your fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, you were needing to like, you know, do all these aggressive sports. Yeah, like that sort let of. It out. Yeah, like I, I played because you weren't dating you know? <laughs> at that age. You did. Um, but but I played aggressive sports because it, it allowed me to be violent without getting in trouble. I know. You know. Um, and that's that thing with testosterone. Like, it's a hell of a, a hell of a hormone, but you have to learn how to manage it. I guess it's like what they say about dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Otherwise, they're just like ravenous. And- yeah. You just got to sort of learn. It's sort of like anything, right? It's a skill. Mm. Um, you know. Uh, but so that's sort of my surmising why we have less testosterone in the general population than we did previously. Um, But when we uh, get to that, um, when we're talking about longevity, right, um, one of the things that is open now, and this is both for men and women, the processes are different, but you reach a certain point where you feel like shit, you're doughy, you uh, have no energy, your brain doesn't work, you have no drive, you have no sex drive, we now have testosterone replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy. Um, and it, and it's funny because you get people like, you know, Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's like, why the fuck would anybody want to feel shitty? <laughs> you know, when you can just like basically go get a prescription and feel like you're 20 again, mm-hmm. you know, or 25 or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like you can actually continue on with that energy level, mm-hmm. you know, um, And one of the interesting things is because estrogen is so protective in many ways, um, as far as guys go, right? As far as bones and nerve, like their neurology and their, their heart. Um, if your testosterone's low, your estrogen's going to be low. 
generally. So you don't have those protective elements. So all of a sudden, it's like your whole fucking body's falling apart. Whereas, you know, uh, basically, totally aside from the quality of life element, um, getting your testosterone back up into a healthy level will then get all the benefits for a male, all the benefits of estrogen. Yeah, right. It'll and, just increase, yeah. Yeah. And then sort of for a woman, they would add in estrogen. And what's nice is a female hormone replacement used to be just estrogen um and progesterone. And now they're being smart enough to add in a little bit of testosterone. Mm. Right? Because again, they all dropped off. Um, so having a little bit of tea. Now your workouts work better. You've got more energy. Your sex drive is back, right? Like all these different things that women run into after menopause, right? Um, so that's one of those things where we know you should exercise. But if you have no energy, right? Like it's almost like low, like your testosterone or estrogen and like your all of your sex hormones being in the toilet. Right then make it much harder to a you don't give a shit anyway because you're you know your mood is garbage mm-hmm. um but to have the energy to work out even if you know you should right like to get the ball rolling um you know so it's one of these things where uh there's some definite both quality of life the the living better part and longevity factor because some studies have shown that uh, in older men, testosterone replacement therapy reduces the risk of heart attacks. It reduces the risk of hmm. um, osteoporosis, right? Because the estrogen part of it. Right. Um, you know, all of these different benefits that contribute to longevity and you feel better and you're stronger and <laughs> you still have a sex drive. Uh, so lots of, you know, potential benefits to talk over with your doctor the problem is is that so many doctors are uneducated about it right there should really be a lab on a chip where you you know you give your blood you do all the thing that needs to be done yeah but you can manage that yourself yeah um that would be interesting i'd pay big bucks bucks for that Mm -hmm. you know to have that yeah because there are telehealth clinics and that kind of thing but then one of the and god bless america and that's not the same thing i'm talking i i know yeah. You know, but we're, but it's one of those things of sort of having access to different specialists as well. Um, uh, but if you if you had all of your own medical records um, with you access to them, because right now, if you wanted all, I'm not talking your printed paper stuff, but like your medical records, mm-hmm. right? They're somewhere else. Yeah. Right? That having it sort of centralized and us have access to it, yeah, you know, is the kind of thing that lets you make better choices. Oh, no, I'm just talking about, you know, lab on a chip, you do it yourself, and then you upload the results, kind of like your uh, Me3 uh, DNA and Me, <laughs> you know, uh, 23 and Me DNA, whatever that. Well, then you send or, that in and they oh, test so, it. Oh, hang on. What was it? Uh, yes, and I put it into another database to- Get analyzed. To get analyzed, yeah. Oh, that exists already. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that yet. We should, yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah, so 23andMe did that, took the data. I can't remember if it was from Joe Rogan or another show. Oh, it was Ben Greenfield. Yeah. He was talking about where to upload it, and I did. 
can't remember. <laughs> Do you remember my results? But the one thing I think that came back that was overwhelmingly clear, yes, it was, was my telomeres. Mm-hmm. I am susceptible to broken tails on my telomeres. Mm-hmm. And your telomeres are the... Tails of your genes. The genes. DNA. And if they're broken, then They don't you replicate age. properly. You, the shorter your telomeres are, the quicker you age. Yeah. You know, which is like sort of a... You want long flowing telomeres. <laughs> yeah. You want you want lots of that DNA repair. Which is interesting to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was tracking to see what I was prone to. And it actually did say that the best diet, if you look at ancestral diet, is um, basically the keto diet is what it was talking about. Mm-hmm. Lower carb for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what are some sources, you know, you, you mentioned a few times clinical studies, this, you know, these studies that were, it was this, what I'm talking about is backed by scientific evidence. How do you go about evaluating a study? Because okay. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand this. Yeah, and I think so, that's worthwhile talking about. So I, first one study doesn't mean shit, Right. It's looking at a preponderance of the study. So something with one study that sort of indicates something is interesting. But it means nothing. <laughs> you Just know? because it was published, it means nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is going to get a little nerdy, but I will look at the individual studies. I will look at how they were structured, right? Like, what are you? what variables are you controlling for? You know? Yep. Um, What's uh, your bias, maybe? Well, but that's sort of a total different thing. Like, you know, but I mean, just how this study is structured. Like, sometimes they're just structured garbage, right? It's like, but you didn't look at this. You didn't look at this. You didn't look at this. Like, (laughs) Of course, you're going to get that. Yeah. Like, it's it's confusing, you know. Um, If you're so lucky uh, that there is a meta-analysis, which is where somebody took the time to analyze all the studies... And average them out. It's sort of a study of the studies and it's sort of like the highest level kind of analysis you can get to because now it's not looking at one source. It's looking at all the sources, Mm -hmm. right? And they're analyzing each study set up and then weighting how much weight each study gets when they're sorting the data, Mm -hmm. right? So um, that's kind of, you know kind of the gold standard if you can find it on an item. So you just Google meta-analysis and whatever uh, the question thing is. thing is, if you can, yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, it's one of those things of like, and going into things with a scientific mindset, which is um, this looks interesting, but if the data doesn't go there, then neither do I, right? You go where the data leads, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and don't put any emotional weight into anything, right? Because I, this is the thing that I've seen fuck so many people, right? Like, they're, they so want a thing to be the thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the They want their intuition to be accurate. The magic bullet? Mm-hmm. That then all of a sudden, like, they're, they're able to have this cognitive dissonance because they... Um, all of the data goes, yeah, it doesn't really do anything, right? At best, you know, and sometimes, hey, this is negative. And then you talk to them and then they're like, 
they they are a cheerleader for a thing, even though all of the data, you know, or the preponderance of the data is pointing to it being a waste of time, right? Like, if I put an emotional weight into any of these things, like, I'd be a wreck because so much of it turns out to be nothing, right? And so that's the thing of, like, I want what works. I want what's actually going to get results, right? And and a, and a, a not, like, a 2% better result than not taking it, you know? Like, I want something that's going to actually do something worthwhile. Um, and so it's one of those things. It's like taking the time. Like PubMed. Look up PubMed. <laughs> because you can look at all sorts of studies on all sorts of topics. And they have meta studies there too? Yeah. It's like, it's just a, a conglomerate. It's basically medical studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of those things. If a given thing has a meta analysis... Or sometimes there's multiple meta-analysis, right? Um, Ta- and, go ahead. And that's where you start building a framework for your understanding of things. So uh, scientific research and study is not my background. So I thought it was interesting when you were talking about how there's a culture around uh, scientists that when somebody publishes, you get all these other peers, it becomes peer-reviewed. Mm-hmm. Does it have to become peer-reviewed? Is that part of it before it gets published? Well, if it's going to be published in a reputable journal. Okay. Right? It's going to get peer-reviewed, and they're trying to tear it to pieces. Yeah. they Because that's how they build credibility. Yeah, like if you can, you know, if somebody's coming out with something and you can uh, basically peer-reviewed means other scientists are going through and looking at your method, looking at your results, looking at your conclusions, and are more than happy to go, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This person, this is bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There's, you know, there's some that'll probably take a little bit too much glee in it, you know? Um, But one of the interesting things, like, like, we'll take ivermectin. Um, you know, the, the mm-hmm. um, anti-parasitic drug. Um, so it was being investigated um, by, uh, you know, as a, as a prophylactic for COVID. And when there was a meta-analysis of all the different studies, there was one study out of Argentina that had a much larger subject group. So it statistically skewed the results. Um and so when that was then being reviewed, right? Because there's pre-publishing, like things are put out, mm-hmm. right? But then when it was actually being reviewed, um, before it gets kind of the seal of approval, the, like, some of the people looking at it uh, went, this is complete bullshit, like the Argentinian study. And it turns out the study wasn't even done. The hospital that, uh, you know, the, they said it was done at mm-hmm. was contacted and went, you know, we've never had that. I don't know what the oh, fuck wow. you're talking about. Like it was, it was made up, right? So then subsequently you go back, you pull that one out of the meta-analysis and ivermectin does shit for COVID, mm. right? But because it skewed it enough 
Right. Right. Because the study was proportionally so much bigger than any of the other ones. Hmm. Right. And so it's one of the things is like the, the people that are kind of anti-science will go, look, science is just making shit up. But one of the things that I love with the, the, the method is that it's self-correcting. Right. You know? Corporations aren't really it. Yeah. Like, basically, you get some science clout for finding that shit. Hmm. You know? And so it's one of these things where, where uh, not to say that there, there isn't bullshit that squeaks through, but one of the things you run into is don't go by magazine or, like, headlines. Mm-hmm. Study finds... Yeah, you know, stats can be pitched in any different way. Yeah, somebody chooses to portray it. You always, always want to look at the source. Always want to look at the credibility of the, the, uh, the person citing this. Yeah, and you want to, you know, and 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 where they've published it is it reputable? And then look at the, you know, the meta analysis and see if anybody else has done the same thing, and they all have the same findings. Yeah, because if you get something like, um, you know, like I was talking about berberine. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know there's study after study after study you know one study looks at uh, cholesterol one study looks at blood sugar then there's another one that looks at insulin response another but they all point in the same direction mm-hmm. right so it's like well you know we're looking pretty good here right like it, it, it another one um, is creatine mm-hmm. right most studied sports supplement on the planet um, why why? Yeah. Um, it's cheap. It's easy to study. Uh, when people are studying things, they like to actually have a positive result, not just a, and it did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, like, I, you know, I think it's one of those things where uh, also it's not sort of like a weird one that might be kind of like a drug or a this or a that it's um creatine monohydrate uh like our body already has creatine in it mm-hmm. right and it's just it gets like creatine phosphate is your on demand energy system right so when you take creatine monohydrate mm-hmm. it increases your just a bit your on demand energy supply Mm -hmm. so for explosive things like lifting weights sprinting um you know to give you an idea uh let's say you know before taking creatine you could like bench press a weight 10 times Mm -hmm. after creatine you might get 12 Mm -hmm. right just let's get a couple more yeah you know um and a couple of pluses that come with it is it appears, um, aside from the athletic benefit side of it, um, it appears that it crosses the blood-brain barrier. And so now it's given the brain a little more energy, mm. right? There seems to be some, you know, and in the, in the studies on this are quite uh, uh, interesting, um, and promising is that it seems to have like a neuroprotective element to it. Um, uh, may fix brain damage, you know, or, or at least lean that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there seems to be a uh, protection against like degenerative brain conditions like Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you can take some like jacked juice, <laughs> you know, some creatine. So, so we, you get to be jacked and uh, uh, your brain works a little better. So we've got coffee makers and at our local incubator here at Velocity, somebody was making a, a cocktail maker. We need a supplement maker. Like it just naturally comes with all the supplements and based just, on what Catherine needs. And it just mixes she, it right. I doesn't have to worry about fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> and here it's, it's just, just all in a tasty like blueberry smoothie. Exactly. That's I, I'm going to patent that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but that that's sort of that thing, right? Like there are a number of compounds that have, you know, either heart protective effects neuroprotective effects, um, uh, you know, and all basically can make you like just perform a little better. Yeah. Right. Um, antioxidants of different types, Mm. right? Like, um, taking whey protein, like a scoop of whey protein every day. Whey protein isolate because concentrate will tend to make you gassy. Um, uh, tends to raise the level of glutathione in your body. And that's like kind of like the master antioxidant. Hmm. Right? So that's why whey protein, yeah, it'll help your muscles and recovery and all that kind of thing. But it also has some other protective elements to it. Right? Because it's got those building blocks of, of making powerful antioxidants. Um, so what we run into is... Um, you know, because if you took everything that had a little bit of an indication, unless somebody comes up with an awesome formula that's got, you know, CoQ enzyme or uh, CoQ10 um, and acetyl L-carnitine and uh, and acetylcysteine, you know, maybe I'm going to make a, like a longevity formula. <laughs> My eyes are glazed, you know. <laughs> uh, you know. Um but but the fact is, all a lot of these compounds have, um, you know, good scientific you know support behind them, um, yeah. And so so it's a thing where it's like, think of your longevity pyramid, mm-hmm. right? At the base, um, is exercise, mm-hmm. right? And then the next layer is nutrition, mm-hmm. um. And using exercise and nutrition to manage your body weight and, you know, nutrients and all that kind of thing. Then, you know, um, somewhere in that one has to be stress and sleep. We haven't figured out what level it's going to go on yet, but it's going to be the next, it's going to be the next episode. Um, uh, but you know, as you're getting towards, you know, when you're getting the big pieces covered, Mm -hmm. that's where things like these come in. Right. Um, Putting, you know, the little details, the little nudges Mm -hmm. like you can't smoke, eat McDonald's, be, you know, massively overweight and not exercise and think that a bit of berberine or or um, some fish oil is going to fix it for you. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not. But if you're doing all of the other things right, then they can give you an edge. Mm-hmm. right just as like supplements they for really working can. out yeah right 
you got to do everything right. And you, then they you got to put you got to put in the work. Yeah, and then they can give you a bit of an edge. Yeah, right. That's the the get you over the hump. Yeah, that's the thing I want people to sort of take away. They're not gonna. They're not shortcuts. They're icing. That was a perfect ending. Yeah. So, uh, until the next episode, um, where uh, uh, we're gonna go practice right now, because uh, you know next episode's on sleep. <laughs> maybe yeah anyway (laughs) so work hard play dirty and until next time